this is a, a really meant here to connect you to last semester uh, to get kind of uh, make that connection. Okay. So classification. Right. What we're looking at with classification is how to make some sense out of all of the living organisms that exist. This is you see this kind of tree diagram, which is very misleading in many cases. Uh, but if you're not really comfortable with them. But the point of it is that all living organisms are, are related to each other. We all have DNA, we all use ATP, we all have many of the same enzymes. Uh, it doesn't matter if you are a virus or a, or a person or a, a fungus. Biochemically, much of what goes on in the cells is exactly the same, which implies that there's a connection. Okay? And classification is a way of Originally, it was a way of making sense out of all the living things that exist out there, uh, because there's there's so many, uh, and you can't keep track of them all. So one of the reasons is you want to make sense. Okay, um, if you were uh, in the Greeks uh, way back in that time period, they divided organisms into those that lived in the water, lived on land, or flew in the air. Okay, well that's a way of organizing it. Uh, clearly, however, that's not the best. We all know that bats and dragonflies are, uh, there's nothing in common really between them. Um, and so, but this is a, we, we classify in order to make sense. But what has really changed since the late 18, since, well, in the 1900s, is that we want our classification, the way we put organisms into groupings, to reflect the evolutionary relationships. Okay, and so if, uh, we, we want to make sure that when we classify an organism, that the other organisms close to it in the classification are, are evolutionarily related to them. Okay, that's, that's the goal. Um, and then it also helps us to put new found, newly found organisms in the correct place, which is happening every day. New organisms are being found every day. Okay, uh, I, I see stuff on the internet, uh, mostly they're invertebrates. Or they're small, you know, small things. Uh, they're finding new things absolutely every day. Uh, nowhere, no, we have no, uh, we don't know everything that lives on this planet. And, and one of the real fears is that things uh, go extinct before we even find out what they are. Okay, because that's probably happening. Now, large things, yeah, pretty much got a handle on large things. Uh, although, it's only uh, about nine years ago they found in in the, the mountains of Vietnam and Laos. A, uh, an animal almost the size of a small cow that nobody had ever classified before. Okay, how did an animal that big wander around out there? Now, the locals knew that it was there. I mean, you know, they, they've seen it. They knew it was there. But as far as putting it into the scientific classification scheme, nobody had ever done that. So we know there are new organisms out there found still. Okay. You can also use it as an identification. Right, now. So, current classification system, which you would have looked at last semester. We uh, have divided organisms into three domains. And you will need to do this on, exam on exams as we go through this set. I'm going to give you a description of an organism. You're going to need to tell me what domain they, and, and, and group they belong to. Okay? Uh, and, and so, uh, we have three groups of organisms. Now, Depending on when you went to high school, and most of you, it obviously has not been all that long ago, um, 
there used to be uh, different systems. At uh, one time, there were three kingdoms. And then there were five kingdoms. And then I've seen seven kingdoms. And, and this is science, okay? Science changes. If it isn't changing, it's not science. Science is constantly changing because what we know changes and we have to reevaluate the way we look at things. But currently, we have these three groupings, bacteria and archaea. These are organisms. We're going to look at them and all these in some detail. But they have... Uh, they are prokaryotic cells. That means they have no nuclei, no organized nuclei. They don't have membrane-bound organelles. Remember all those organelles that you heard about last semester? Endoplasmic reticulum and Golgi apparatus and all that. Okay, these guys don't have any of those. Very simple, very small organisms. But don't ever confuse simple and small with somehow not being as good as. These guys are really, really successful. Okay, they certainly outnumber us by a whole lot. There are bacteria absolutely everywhere. Everything you ever touch has bacteria on it. Everything you eat has bacteria on it. Fortunately, most of them aren't pathogens, and so it doesn't make much difference. But everything has bacteria on it. They're very, very successful organisms. Okay? Then we have the third domain, and these are all the organisms that have cells like ours. They're, they have eukaryotic cells. In other words, they have a, an organized nucleus. They have all those organelles that you learn, all that structure inside the cell. And there are four kingdoms within this group, which we will go through. Protista, which are, for the most part, single-celled, uh, fungi, plants, and animals. And plants, animals, and fungi you're pretty comfortable with. You have a kind of, a, you know, kind of grasp of what those are. Uh, but what we're going to do is we go through them, what I want you to get out of those is to understand why we put them in that group and not somewhere else. What are the basic characteristics of that group so that, you know, that are unique to that group but don't fit into other groups? All right, now, there are a couple of terms here I'm going to mention. Phylogeny. Phylogenetics is another word for this. Phylogeny is the arrangement of organisms in an in a evolutionary tree. Okay? You're going to do this in your first lab. You're going to have an extra lab exercise where you're going to do this. It won't be with organisms at first, but uh, you're going to do something very similar. And in order to do that, we look at two kinds of characteristics of an organism. One are what are called ancestral. Okay, so these are things that they share with their close ancestors. They're, exact, they're pretty much the same. Okay. So if you look at organisms uh, that have, remember the cell theory, all living things are made up of cells. Okay, and cells come only from pre-existing cells. We talked about that last semester. So if we say, well, they have cytoplasm, well, that's kind of an, that's a pretty ancestral characteristic. All cells have that. It doesn't tell me anything. Okay. But over time, organisms change. And, these, and the new characteristics that show up are referred to as derived characteristics because they are different. And these are the characteristics you use to connect organisms in the tree. The ancestral ones don't help you very much because they're going to be the same. Uh, you're going to do a lab exercise that I, I think, what are we using now? I'm trying to think. Uh, using uh, nuts, bolts, screws, that kind of stuff. And you're going to classify. You're going to 
develop a phylogenetic tree. Okay. Well, the fact that they're all made out of metal and they're long and pointed, that's an ancestral characteristic. You'll have a fossil nail in there. It'll be one like, well, it's one that, uh, little iron nail that they, like they make over at William and Mary, or in Williamsburg, Colonial Williamsburg. That's kind of no real sharp point to it, no real head on the top. It's got, it's uh, square instead of round. Okay, that's your ancestral. And then you, as you go through and look at the others, you figure, right, so let me pick up this eye bolt. Well, what is different about the eye bolt from the ancestral characteristics? And then you'll use those things to kind of organize them. Okay. It sounds difficult. It's not really as hard as it sounds. Okay. Just as a hint to get started on it, if you're unsure how to get started, you look at all your things, you lay them all out on the table, you learn what their names are, because a lot of them, if you don't go to hardware stores ever, you won't know what they're all called. Uh, that's what we found. So, so you get to learn a little bit about hardware here, too. Um, and you look at them and say, all right, if I were to divide all of these into two groups based on one characteristic, how would I do that? Okay, and so that's how you start your tree. It comes up, and then it splits. And you write down, you would write down, okay, using this characteristic, I put them into this group, or I put them into that group. And you take this group and you do the same thing. And you just keep doing that until everybody's off on their own. Okay? And you keep track of what the characteristics are. All right, well, that's what we do with living organisms. Okay? These are the derived characteristics. What, what is different about them? They are what, did, what determine the relationships. Now, there are three assumptions made here. And that is that any group of organisms are related to a common ancestor. Well, we have no problem. Uh, you know, we all know that we have. You, know, you have a common ancestor with your uh, cousins and your, and so on. Yeah, that's yeah. We, that's pretty obvious. In biology, we say that well, that ancestry goes back farther than that. Okay, the first mammal, or the first organisms that were mammals, we're related to. And they have modified over time to be all the different kinds of mammals that exist today. Uh, since we are all cellular, uh, in a way, we are all living things are connected. We all have DNA. We all have ATP. We all have cytoplasm. We all have cell walls or cell membranes. Now, that's very common information. Okay, so we're related to common ancestor. We make the assumption that the split is always into twos. That's not always the case, but for purposes of, ex of the exercise. In other words, you don't have three things branch all at the same time. You know, they branch into two, and then this one branches, and then those branch, and so on. Um, and that the change in characteristics occurs over time. So if you were to look at the derived characteristics, those with the most derived characteristics, the implication is that it's been longer since they were, since the common ancestor, than those that have only a few of them. Because it takes time for those changes to occur. This is also referred to as cladistics. I don't think we use that name in the lab, and I'm not too concerned about us getting in detail on that. But So this creates a system of classification. Now, I'm going to go back to the tree that we had at the beginning. Okay. So here we have bacteria and ar archaea. In here, they're more closely related to us than the other bacteria. And then you start to get uh, uh, 
organisms with, uh, that have uh, complex cells. And if you pull up here, we start to get into animals up this way, plants up this way, insects are here. I don't, we didn't put the fungi on this particular uh, one. Um, now, the, those organisms that are currently alive, you would find uh, in your classification tree out at the tip of each branch. Everything down in here, these are extinct ancestors. They're common ancestors, but they're no longer here. Okay, so uh, this is, uh, helps us to understand uh, how evolution Okay, so what evidence? We can use anatomy. In other words, how they look. Um, we have homologous structures and analogous structures. These are two different things. They may have similar functions, but they are not necessarily closely related. So the fact that uh, various types of mammals that eat termites and ants all have a long snout with a long sticky tongue, and that is homologous characteristic. I mean, that's a function of what of what they're eating. If they don't have that, they don't they don't do so well. I mean, so you know, I mean, they stick this long sticky tongue down in the tunnels. The ants or termites get stuck to it. They pull it back in and they eat them. That's, that's what they do. Okay. Um, the uh, wings of bats and birds are homologous because if you look at the bone structure of them, the same arm bones are present. Uh, they range differently, but they're all there. But the wings of a butterfly and a bat are analogous. They are the same function. They enable them to fly, but there is no uh, you know, anatomical relationship between them. They're independent events. Okay, And insects... Uh, uh, evolved flight long before certainly mammals or birds did um, and gave rise uh, to one of my favorite organisms which are spiders which prey on other insects uh, and they build those big orb webs out there those those are sieves in the air to try and catch insects insects are flying around we build a little sieve and we catch them in there and we eat them I mean that's that's what that that, that, that does and, and just to give you an idea of the, you know, everybody says the, you know, it's been a pretty warm winter so far. Yesterday, on our garage, one of those orb weavers was out there building her web, and she caught a couple flies. You now this is January. She should be either hibernating or dead by now. Not, not this year. Not this year at all. Uh, three weeks ago, I, I had some plants flowering in the front yard, and there were honeybees on them. This is not a normal winter here <laughs> this year. By any means. So anatomy is one thing we look at. Um, we can look at how they develop. In other words, what's their embryonic development pattern? Um, it turns out that if you look at a, a very, very early embryo, like within 24 hours, of a, a fish, a frog, a rat, a monkey, and a human, you can't tell the difference. Now, as they go on, they gradually change and the uh, differences become obvious. So developmental similarities tell us, okay, these guys are fairly closely related to each other. 
Well, they're all mammals. That's what, or not all mammals. Uh, fishes and and, uh, and the uh, frogs aren't, but we're all vertebrates. Okay, and so we have some common things. Okay, um, and so you—that's uh, another thing you can look at. Uh, insects or invertebrates, for the most part, don't have that kind of developmental pattern. That's completely different. So they're in another group off on their own. Today we are looking at molecular data, DNA. DNA is the biggie today. DNA and RNA, both. Uh, there are certain genes that are what we say conserved. They are genes that produce proteins that are essential for an organism to function. And so any mutations that occur in those genes generally don't, they, are, you know, they don't last. They, those organisms don't survive very well. Uh, and so those are used to compare the DNA of two different organisms, or the RNA, particular RNA. Uh, and we can even use proteins to some as well. And we look at, particularly with proteins, you can look at over uh, the differences between two organisms in their protein, in the amino acid sequence of a protein. Every change in the amino acid sequence represents a mutation of some kind. Okay, if you know the basic mutation rate, approximate, then you can estimate based on the number of changes how long ago they were common ancestors. Okay, and that's how we use the, the molecular data. And molecular data has become the predominant method. Uh, if, uh, it's just that uh, we don't always have it readily available. So, and this is a great example of the fact that new technology leads to new information, which leads to changes in the way we do things and the way we organize things. Organisms have been moved all over the phylogenetic tree based on DNA data, because uh, we did that, we found out, oh, no, what we did before, that was wrong. It didn't fit that way, based on the DNA data. And then we move them over where they think, we think they should be. Typical science, constantly in flux. Okay. So when you see that the science, somebody says that drinking red wine is good for you, and then somebody else says, well, no, it's not so great for you. This is not because nobody knows anything. It's simply because the research, different research tells us different things, and it takes time in order to get everything put together. And so that goes on all the time. You know, dark chocolate's good for you. you know, antioxidants, okay? Uh, supposedly, you know, that's the, the, current, the current thing. Okay, so... You should expect scientists to be arguing over things. That's how science works. I get these results, you get something different, you got to figure out who's right, you got to redo the, a lot of the experiments. We're going to argue because I think mine's right, you think yours right. And, and, and they're going to get some pretty heated conversations. But eventually, it all gets resolved. But it just takes time. Okay, so here's an idea. These are called, this can be called cladistics. So here are four organisms. And here are four way, three different ways that uh, we could look at the relationship. So we could say, all right, the initial break was between baboons and a common ancestor to these three. Then chimpanzees, then humans, and then gorillas. This is one way that you could draw the tree for these organisms. Okay, over here, slightly different. You notice the gorilla and the chimpanzee have been moved. This implies the chimpanzees are closer to humans. This one implies the gorillas are closer to humans. And of course, there's another way. Chimpanzee and gorilla are closer. Humans are down here. 
I, I think for the most part today, uh, BD is the one that's being followed. Uh, we are very closely related to chimpanzees in terms of DNA, certainly. Okay, but so there are multiple ways to draw these diagrams. And the whole point of the classification today and phylogenetics is to figure out, okay, well, which is the right one? Which is the correct way? Because you can do it lots of different ways. So what's the evidence that says that this one is right and the others are not? Okay, You have to provide evidence. You can't just say, well, I did that way because I think that I said so. That nobody's going to listen to you when you do that. You have to provide evidence that says this is why it's like this. And somebody else who thinks that uh, this one is correct is going to supply the evidence they have that says, I think this one's right and here's why. And eventually, it will get resolved as to which one is the most correct. And then, 25 years later, they may change it again. It's constantly changing. So if you're going into sciences because you think it's a nice, solid, you know, once we figure something out, it never changes. That's not the way science is. I mean, the things that have changed, uh, I'm not that old, although compared to most of you, I'm probably was born about three days after the dinosaurs died out or something like that, you know. Uh, uh, but when I was going to undergraduate school, when I took genetics, they didn't even talk about molecular genetics yet. In the we didn't uh, taught anything about DNA and uh, transcription and translation and all that stuff. Okay, That was just being figured out. Okay, uh, I, I think uh, my mom died about, well, it's been about 12 years ago now. But she was 90, 90 years old when she died. Can you, uh, so I think about all the changes she saw from about 1914 until she died. It's just incredible, the change. Okay, so imagine that that's going to happen between, by the, before, by the time you die, what's going to change? I mean, it's just hard to imagine the change that occurs. Okay, you have to be adaptable or you're done for. Okay, so this is currently the way we look at it. Um, three domains, bacteria. The archaea are over here, and when we talk about those, we'll see why they're on the road to uh, the eukarya, because they have some characteristics in common with the eukarya, that bacteria do not. And then up here we get the proteins, the plants, and then animals and fungi are the two closest uh, on that. And you might say, well, why not plants? Well, when we get to fungi, we'll see that there are characteristics of fungi that are very animal-like. And this is why fungal diseases are so difficult to treat. Okay, you can treat bacterial diseases, well, as long as they're not resistant to your antibiotic, which is becoming another issue uh, today. Um, because you can get, those organisms, those cells are so different that you can get drugs that affect one and not the other. But when you get to the fungi, their cells are so similar to ours, to ours, it's very difficult to get drugs that will infect, that'll affect their cells and not your cells. Much more difficult. So these are the kingdoms and the eukarya. We'll look at each one of these as we go through the semester. Most of these you've heard of before. And um, this is kind of the overall, we'll be coming back to something like this as we go through. These are all the different groupings of, and it's not all by any means, but animals, fungi, plants, proteins, bacteria, archaea, and so on. 
This is just a, another example of phylogeny. This is the phylogeny of dogs. So you have all the canids here, common ancestors at some point uh, back here. And then they go through, uh, and you can see they have a rough time scale here as when each of these occurred. Uh, and today it's pretty much a given that uh, domestic dogs are all uh, derived from the wolf, from the gray wolf. Uh, in fact, I don't know if I have, I've seen some files now. But uh, there's a nice chart now that's been made of the phylogenetic tree of all of dogs. Uh, they're easy to work with because, well, they're here. And, and most of the dogs that you see today, the breeds, they're that way because humans made them that way. We decided who got to reproduce and who didn't so that they would have certain characteristics. And if you, I don't know if you know anybody who breeds dogs, but you got to have a pedigree, you got to meet certain standards before you can breed them with others. Uh, and that's how humans have shaped dogs over the years, depending on what we wanted them to do. Dogs are really good at sniffing out things. Well, those are, you know, we bred those, and we get, end up with things like bloodhounds and, and animals like that. Uh, you want dogs that are going to chase down into, into holes and, and chase things out of them? You get dachshunds, which is originally what they were bred for, to run down into holes and chase uh, rodents out of them. Uh, it would, so there's a lot of different uh, things that we've done. Uh, any questions? Uh, we'll start on uh, the bacteria on uh, Wednesday. And uh, if you have questions, just let me know. Try to get uh, registered in uh, the uh, MindTap this week. I don't uh, have to look. I, I think on, uh, I put it on here. Uh, Here's a worksheet for your Aplia assignments. So just so you know, uh, this is each of the chapters. Here's one that's going to be available, and here's one that's due. So you can print this out, and you can keep track of the fact that you've done them all if you want, if you want to use this. But this is the due date. So the first one is not due until the 21st. This gives you time to get into the course and get oriented to everything. So you, you've got about 10 days before you have to have one due. Okay. All right, I'll see you on... Uh, on Wednesday. So wait, you register for my Well, you either need this book. Or what did you use last semester? Uh, I have two semesters. Okay, then it's this one, right? Okay. Well, I mean, it looks a little different because this is an instructor. Yeah, the codes that came with that should work. Okay, so I can still just put them back in. It should, should be fine. It's supposed to work for a year. Okay. If you have a problem, let me know. Yes, I would look through them and see if there's anything uh, that, that might, I, I haven't looked at closely to see if there might be something in there that would be useful. I think any kind of internship experience is good. Right, that would be Because you learn new things and, uh, and, and that broadens you and that makes you more, uh, uh, it makes people want you more. Are you back again? Dave, I thought you probably liked this one. So. I appreciate it. Take care. This fall I'll be gone. Well, thank you. I have a couple of questions about the lab because um, it's on.
on Wednesdays, Thank you. Thank you. Maybe I'm the. It is a month.